0: Hi, I'm Bea Elliot. I'm a vegan abolitionist here in Central Florida. You can find me on the web by googling provoked animal rights or go to beelliot.blogspot.com In the meantime, I hope you enjoy this next uh, Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. Uh, it's a great podcast and thank you, Jordan, for all you do.
1: I know the human beings
2: and fish can coexist peacefully.
3: Vegetarian. Vegan. let get it right. You used the word animals, but I suppose what you should have said is non-human animals.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. This episode, live goldfish swallowing, the SPCA giving away pearls, and safe for still focusing on happy meat. I'd like to say hello to all the people who read my blog. I write and read from a script as I record each episode. Sometimes you can tell I am reading because of how I am talking like I am reading. I put the script up on my blog when I post the audio. I like having the script up for people to read, because the more information, the better. But I really would plead to the people who only read my scripts. Please listen to the audio as well. I mean, the point of this podcast is for me to play clips for you. You're not meant to be paying attention to what I say. The clips are the whole point of my show, and I don't really want to transcribe each clip I use. However, if you're trying to avoid hearing my voice... You can always watch the full video clips that I include on my show. These are listed at the bottom of each script. My good friend William mentioned two news stories that I was allowed to steal and claim as my own. Those being a bar offering $10 alcoholic drinks with live goldfish inside, and that the SPCA had a competition where you could win a pearl necklace, um, it's an item of jewellery. I'll start with the goldfish. I don't know how universities work worldwide, it seems to be a worldwide thing, but in New Zealand at least at the start of each year is Orientation Week, known as O-Week. It's basically a lot of drinking games and participants often end up almost naked. A bar in Hamilton offered alcohol with a live goldfish in the glass to be swallowed whole. This clip I'm about to play is hosted by Paul Henry, who normally is in the news for saying shocking things. He was quite dismissive of the controversy surrounding throwing dead rabbits about as a competition. I covered this on episode two of this podcast. In this clip, Paul Henry seemed to be on the side of the animals for once, perhaps because they are alive. If these were dead animals being consumed, i have no problem with that. been talking about this all morning.
2: Punters at Hamilton's Agenda Bar don't just drink like fish. They are being encouraged to actually drink fish. Live goldfish. Tonight, the bar's putting on a party as part of Waikato University's Orientation Week. And for $10, you can buy live goldfish, a live goldfish shot. Uh, something animal rights groups, of course, are concerned about, to say the least. Joining us now is Agenda Bar owner, Logan Hughes. Logan, good morning. Paul, how are you? I'm well. Did you just do this for the sort of publicity that you're getting?
4: Um, a little bit. It's, it's kind of an idea that, we, that I saw when I was um, abroad recently and yep. um, thought I'd bring it back. Everyone seemed to be enjoying it and having a good old time, so I thought we'd launch it. You picked the fish up yesterday, as I understand it? No, we actually picked them up first thing this morning. You, so you've got them now? No, no, no. You haven't to gone and picked them, them up very You're shortly. going to keep them in a holding tank, are you? Absolutely, yep. How many fish? Uh, we've ordered 200. Because you think that's probably enough? Well, um, I'm hoping it's going to be enough. Um, with, with obviously being on the news, it might, we might need a few more. Oh, yeah, people will be queuing up. Um, if, you don't, if you don't sell 200, say you've got 50 left, what do you intend to do with them? Have you got a backup plan? Um, well, we'll probably just keep them in the tank uh, for the rest of the week and hopefully be able to get rid of them uh, during the, our other parties yeah, as keep, well. keep selling them. Oh,
2: just keep them on hold. Um, OK, I'm going to pretend now for a moment that I'm from the SPCA, all right? And you just yes. answer these
4: accusations... It's cruel. Brilliant. Um, well, I, d- I actually disagree, um, you know, I, I, if I thought it was immoral I wouldn't be doing it. How can you disagree that drinking a live goldfish is cruel? How
2: can you disagree um, well, with
4: that? I mean, uh, pet owners feed live goldfish to their turtles and... Yeah, uh, I'm, not asking uh, you actually... to, I'm not asking you to tell me about other cruel things, I'm asking you to defend your statement
2: that it isn't cruel to drink a live goldfish.
4: Well, you're, you're just putting it in your mouth and swallowing it. It's, um, you know, it, it would be very minimal discomfort, I imagine, for the fish.
2: Really, being, being live, sliding down, being in a stomach full of acid. Minimal, doesn't really matter, <laughs> does it? It's minor. I mean, at the end of the day, aren't you really saying to me, I don't give a damn about goldfish?
4: Well, you know, I mean, couldn't fit camper vans in a glass. No. Oh, well, if you're talking about... Drinking live camper vans or even camper van drivers, that would be very different. Um, have you had any people complain directly to you? Uh, we have had a few comments. I mean, most people have, been, have taken it pretty well. Uh, we've had a lot of interest um, of people coming and saying, yeah, we're definitely coming in to try it. A lot of people that sort of haven't been so uh, keen on swallowing a live goldfish have said they'll come and watch uh, most people haven't really taken it offensively um, from what I've seen. Alright, okay, Robin Kippenberger is the Chief Executive of the SPCA and she has said for us to
2: pass on to you um, this, this, this suggestion. Please don't do it. Save the 200 goldfish. Will you do that for Robin? <laughs>
4: um, it's, it's already been launched and there's quite a lot of interest in it, so unfortunately um, we will be doing it. Uh, Logan, doing it.
2: Logan, Logan. You hold the ability in your hands to save 200 lives. You can do that (laughs) right now by saying,
4: we're gonna liberate those goldfish, I'm gonna stop this right now. Well, um, unfortunately, we're we're not going to do that. Uh, Don't say we, we Logan, Logan,
2: Logan, Logan, Logan. (laughs) Don't say we. Logan Hughes has the ability right now to save 200 little lives. Will you do it or not? No. Thank you for joining us. Uh, That's
1: Logan Hughes, he's the
2: Agenda Bar owner. They start drinking live goldfish there tonight.
1: Well, as usual, people were mad about this, and you get the usual comments. I'll read one from the breakfast comment section. Goldfish are companions, not food. I know someone who has had their goldfish for about 10 years now. The owner of this bar should die. What a lovely little gem. I would argue that goldfish are much more than companions. They didn't evolve for millions of years to be an item of our property, going around and around and around in a glass bowl all day. And to say, the owner of this bar should die, well, what a silly thing to say. Although it certainly made me angry to hear the owner's thoughts, especially when he kept repeating,
4: Well, um, unfortunately, we're, we're not going to do that. Don't say we. Logan, 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 Logan. Don't say we. Logan
2: Hughes has the ability right now to save 200 little
1: lives. Will you do it or not? No. Why is it unfortunate? It is unfortunate, Mr. or Miss Fish, but I have to kill you. If you think it's unfortunate, then you can change it. Paul Henry, the host in this clip, was right to bring it up in his usual mocking way. Well, the event was apparently called off. People will instead be offered a chocolate fish and a shot of alcohol and an SPCA donation box will be at the bar. The SPCA also show up in my next story that I also pinch from William. The SPCA are one of the largest animal welfare organisations worldwide. I appreciate the efforts volunteers do looking after unwanted animals designated as pets but they do not represent animal rights as I understand the term. For example the SPCA have a Freedom Farms label that can be stuck on packets of meat if it makes SPCA approval standards. If you are unfortunate enough to find yourself on www.freedomfarms.co.nz, you'll see all kinds of happy meat propaganda about how lovely it is for the animals we farm, about how much they enjoy being made into bacon. Like Jesus, they chose to die for our sins. At the bottom of the page, there's an option to sign up for Happy Stuff, which is ludicrous. We are asked to sign up for the SPCA's magazine, and there's a prize involved. I'll read what's written. Quote, Take out a subscription to Animal's Voice in the Autumn 2010 issue, and you'll be in the draw to win a cultured pearl necklace, valued at $1,000. Plus, there are other prizes and books galore to be won. Remember, a subscription to Animals Voice magazine costs just $20 for four issues. I've seen how power, or abalone pearls, are cultured on a school visit to Rakiora, Stewart Island, which is just a short boat ride from the bottom of the South Island of New Zealand away. I remember that there were large and long tanks and pipeways where the shellfish were. I'll read from a website listed in my show notes. Mabe or blister pearls have been grown on Stewart Island by Ron Dennis for about ten years. Ron has been putting inserts in adult power caught around the island, and then holding them on the wharf and flow through tanks, and feeding seaweed for up to eighteen months. At which time the pearls meat and shell are sold. Ron has told me verbally that ten to twenty percent have good viable pearls valued at seventy to five hundred New Zealand dollars each. These pearls have been marketed by Liz and Mike McKenzie, jewellers from Christchurch. At the last annual New Zealand Abalone Farmers Conference, Mike said they were penetrating the US market and using Empress Pearls as a brand name. At no time has Mike mentioned prices being realised, but it is significant to note here that the Mackenzies have recently gone into partnership with Ron Dennis on Stewart Island. And have just completed a multi million dollar recirculating temperature controlled system capable of holding 30,000 adult power. The pearl necklace that the SPCA is giving away to an animal lover who's paid them $20 for four episodes of their magazine might not use pearls from power. Probably they are not power pearls, but surely the animals involved in manufacture are farmed in a similar fashion. After all, The SPCA mentions using cultured pearls, meaning the animals were not in the wild. They were grown in vats, tanks and pipes. It's pretty much the definition of factory farming, really. It truly is a factory, and I guess the animals are only ever taken out of the tanks, the factory, when they're about to be killed. Now, some people might not even really count power as animals. They are not the most exciting animals, kind of like a giant underwater snail that has no obvious senses and doesn't seem to move. But surely they deserve better than to be cultured for our use. To have a piece of plastic, called an insert, stuck into their body, where they detect it as an irritant, and they build what we call a pearl over it. This is not an activity the SPCA should be involved with. I mean, come on! The magazine they want you to buy, it's called Animal's Voice. I think the animals that form the pearls should be given a voice, although it seems the SPCA is unwilling to listen. I think this is a problem with the large animal welfare groups. They can't speak up for the actual animals. They can't say, we don't think people should wear leather or pearls. They have to find a way to come up with a feel-good solution for their financial supporters, to keep doing what they've always done, and to feel good about it. I've noticed this line of thinking before. You might say something such as, The problem with animals suffering now is that we have them as our property in the first place. Welfare reform has done nothing to stop the needless deaths of 56 billion land animals each year. Which might be answered by, All you do is complain about problems, but you never have any real solutions. Except, we do have a solution, to not do it at all. Perhaps the SBCA, SAFE and other large animal welfare groups are trying to avoid alienating the people who donate money by ignoring anything that might require a minor change to the donor's habits. I noticed coverage of a young vegetarian in Tearaway magazine. Tearaway is given out free at schools in New Zealand. The article mentions SAFE's annual campaign asking for donations on the street. Quote, Urges all young people who care about animals to take a stand and help with SAFE's annual appeal, and you do not have to be a vegetarian to take part, you just need to care for animals. Well, I know the above was not written by SAFE, it was a writer in Tearaway magazine, nothing to do with SAFE at all, presumably, but that idea, you don't have to be a vegetarian, as if not eating meat is such a radical, difficult thing, and then to end with, you just need to care for animals. What? I'd think the first step in caring for animals is not to hurt them at all. If we told people about ethical veganism, I'm vegan because I don't want to hurt animals in any way I can possibly avoid, then it doesn't sound so freaky, or radical, or hard, or weird. There'd be plenty of other vegans if we just promoted veganism. I thought the line from Tearaway was interesting, and somewhat true, I bet most who donate or collect donations for SAFE are indeed not vegetarian or vegan. And now I'd like to do my final story about Hans Creek from SAFE in a recent television segment. I'll play a clip about the Animal Welfare Code being yet again delayed, and then the breakfast show clip featuring Hans from SAFE. In other news,
2: farmers could be allowed to keep pigs in cages for at least another seven years. One news can reveal that a recommendation the so-called sow crates be banned by 2017 has got caught up in a legal wrangle. Sunday correspondent Ian Sinclair broke the story last year and has tonight's exclusive story.
0: Pigs and sow crates as exposed on the Sunday programme. And it looks as if they won't be gone anytime soon. This is a document pig farmers didn't want you to see. It's a draft copy of a proposed welfare code for pigs, and it recommends that sow stalls should be banned by 2017. But even that was too soon for pig farmers. Last December, they threatened legal action if the National Animal Welfare Advisory Committee published it, and the committee backed down. News we had a copy angered NAWAC chairman John Halstrom to discuss it with you. Uh, why would you not want to discuss it? Pork Industry Board Chairman Chris Trengrove says farmers objected to the proposal because NAWAC hadn't properly consulted them first. Can we get a comment from you on, on camera, Chris, about that? No, no,
4: no, no you can't. No. No. To us it's a dead duck story.
0: Animal rights group Safe says the secrecy is unjustified.
3: Why keep a draft code uh, out of the public domain? Isn't it for the public to decide on and to talk about?
0: At the moment, sows can be crammed into the stalls for the full length of each 16-week pregnancy. The draft document proposed cutting that back to four weeks by December 2012, with the total ban on crates in seven years.
3: They make no mention whatsoever uh, of, about banning farrowing crates, so that means that uh, pigs uh, will still be confined to these crates for at least four weeks during each pregnancy.
0: We're told that following the complaints from farmers, the new amended document will offer a range of deadlines for discussion.
2: Ian Sinclair, One News. And you can check out Ian's original Sunday investigation into pig farming by going to tvnz.co.nz and clicking on NZ News.
5: Well, sow crate farming is a practice that's put many off eating pork. And now a leaked draft of the new animal welfare code suggests the abolition of the crates will be pushed out to 2017. That's angered animal rights groups like SAFE, whose spokesman Hans Craig doesn't want to see pigs treated like this for another seven years. He joins me this morning. Good morning.
3: Good morning, Pippa.
5: Hans, what exactly does the, the draft code say?
3: Well, the the code, when they talk about sow stalls, talk about two things. That they want to reduce the use of sow stalls by the end of 2012 to the first four weeks of the pig's uh, pregnancy. Um, That still means that pigs will be kept in crates for, on that scenario for 20 weeks per year because they also kept in farrowing crates where they suckle their their babies. Um, but then the report goes a bit further and says that they prefer that uh, sow crates will be banned altogether by the end of 2017. But, you know, that's still eight years from now, so what are they saying that we can go and keep pigs in crates for at least half their lives So, you know, for another eight years, we believe that's completely unacceptable. And don't forget, this is only a draft code, and we believe that already uh, pressure has been exerted by the pork industry, first of all, to get uh, the ban on sow stalls to be taken out completely, but otherwise for that ban to be extended even further out, so it may even become 2020 or further. So we are very unhappy about that. We
5: should clear this. this draft code was a leaked draft code, so it could, in theory, as you said, could be a draft draft code I guess,
3: couldn't it? Uh, and it probably is but this was intended to go out because this was only stopped by uh, after threats by the pork industry just days before it was supposed to go out. So clearly this document is the document that NAWIC wanted to put out for the New Zealand public to discuss but because it has this complete ban on sow stalls eventually uh, the pork board was clearly unhappy about this and wanted to stop it. So this is a ridiculous situation as it is. We actually requested a, a copy of this particular code uh, from MeF, and uh, the Director General of MeF actually uh, refused to give us the copy and actually stated that this copy didn't exist, which is a bit strange because now we actually have it.
5: You have it in your hands. When will you see, when will we see the public an official draft code?
3: Well, they forecasted that it will come out in March, although they have forecasted these things before. The Minister of Agriculture, in fact, said that the code would be finalized by the end of last year, which never happened. Um, So let's hope that it will come out in March. And we will be asking the public to do two things. For one, make a submission to NAWEC and say that sow stalls need to be phased out. Really, really fast, this is cruelty we 've known this for years. It is against the New Zealand Animal Welfare Act, so we need to stop this and another thing what we want to do because even in the best case scenarios, pigs will still remain in these crates for many years to come. So what we' are doing is we 're asking the public to boycott factory farm pork that is the best way to stop this cruelty from happening.
5: Uh, to walk with you wallet Sam. Um, I mean you talk about the fact that they will still be in their facilities if we 're being realistic and we 're taking into account. All of the different parties that are involved in this, what is a reasonable scenario for when these crates may be phased out?
3: Well, well, let's not forget that this debate has been going on for at least 15 years. So the industry has known that these crates are are cruel to animals, it has been well established that they are actually in breach of New Zealand animal welfare legislation. So um, it was the Pork Board in the past actually agreed that a phase out was appropriate and they talked about a phase out by 2012. This is actually some years back now. Um, so I think it can be done at, you know, at the longest for, say, in a, in a period of five years. But uh, you know, the, the writing has been on the wall. Most pig farmers in New Zealand have stopped using sow stalls. So the others will just have to follow as, as quickly as possible.
5: Mm. Hans, thank you very much for joining us this morning. It's Hans Creek from... Uh, from
1: Hans has been kind enough to reply to my emails a few times now, but I asked for a reply about his latest appearance and got no response. I've heard from Hans before that... We have started collating appropriate materials and are working through how we are going to proceed with a Go Vegan campaign. Well, I don't really think SAFE even need a Go Vegan campaign. If only they would mention veganism as being the solution, I'd just love to hear SAFE even use the V word. I'm only happy promoting veganism, I think it would be difficult if SAFE just casually mentioned veganism in one campaign while continuing to promote welfare reform at the same time. We understand the best way to help animals is to be vegan. That's what we are ourselves, of course. But we realize that most of the public are too stupid or not special enough. Although I guess even that would be so much better than the promotion of Happy Meat that we get now.
3: Because even in the best case scenarios, Pigs will still remain in these crates for many years to come. So what we're doing is we're asking the public to boycott factory-farm pork. That is the best way to stop this cruelty from happening. Uh,
5: to walk with your wallet, Sam.
3: Yes, the world won't go vegan overnight, but when large
1: groups focus on the animals that are suffering right now, nothing happens at all. The proposed reforms get delayed, such as what's happening now with pigs. The big industries stall when it comes to changing the pig stalls. And even on that one issue helping pigs who are treated in one particular way. We've gotten nowhere, except for more promotion for large welfare groups. I don't really have many friends who buy Happy Meat and other organic or cage-free products, but sometimes people I know will bring up that the meat they eat is free-range. They killed it themselves, as if it makes it a positive thing, and that I should congratulate them on eating free-range meat. If SAFE would join us in promoting veganism, real animal rights, then we could actually help the animals. SAFE sell vegan products at the cruelty-free store, as it might be called, and at least some of the SAFE management of vegan themselves. But veganism never seems to be mentioned in public campaigns. Never. I remain good friends with many people who work for SAFE, but I don't want to promote welfare reform. I want to spend my life promoting veganism. That helps all animals. This year I've decided to try and promote veganism more actively where I live. I've found it hard to hand out pamphlets and other information in the past, but I've got to try. Thank you very much for listening to my 20th episode. Thank you for listening to Coexisting with Nonhuman Animals. You can find the script for this episode, as well as downloads for every episode of Coexisting with Nonhuman Animals at coexistingwithnonhumananimals.blogspot.com if you'd like to contact me, even just to say you've listened, send an email to jowontdart at gmail.com or on Twitter, twitter.com slash jaywontdart. I'd appreciate it. Thank you for listening.
0: Away from the ocean of animals as things and toward the moral personhood of animals. The choice is ours. If you're not vegan, go vegan. It's easy. It's better for you, it's certainly better for the planet, and most importantly, it's the morally right thing to do.